HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with uh, the French contingency, uh, straight from Revol Porcelain, which is over 200-year-old company, 1789, if I'm correct, right? Yes. I did a little bit of research. <laughs> 11 generations, family-owned, handmade porcelain out of France. It's kind of an amazing thing, and in this day and age, when we take a lot of uh, the table setting for granted, this has been an institution in, in you know France, and if not the world. And uh, today I have Anne and Tanaya of Revol, who are trying to make a humongous push in the U.S. to make it part of everybody's household, of every chef's repertoire in restaurants. And I, for one, would love to see that happen, see the revolution. <laughs> well, thank you both for being on. Thank you for having us. So it's really interesting to see a company that has, you know, kind of done so much throughout the ages, changed its design, but never changed what it's done. How did Revol start? Um, Revol started uh, in 1789, as you said. Uh, It's a family-owned business, so... I guess it started, uh, you know, with two brothers um, finding some kaolin, which is the the main material to make a, a very white porcelain. So it started with them uh, in the southeast of France, uh, near Lyon, uh, where they found this uh, particular material and uh, they found the way to make some porcelain. So 
here they are, and uh, the factory started there and is still there right now with uh, 11 generations of the same family now running the company. Well, Kaylin, what does it look like? I mean, when you run across a deposit of it, you're not like, oh, that's perfect. I'm going to make some porcelain. (laughs) Was it something that the family was seeking out? Was it a really prevalent thing in France? I know... Uh, you know, people call it China clay or, you know, it existed in Chinese culture a lot. When did it really start in French culture? Well, it started about the the same time and uh, you have different areas in France where you can find it. And uh, it has been a very long research uh, in the UK and in France, especially uh, for making that particular ceramic. You know, Revolve porcelain has not been always white like it is right now. Uh, It's been a long process and at the beginning it was more like a blue. And uh, the company is in a a very small town called Saint-Uze. And in this uh, town, we, they were very famous for the, the blue of saint they called. And it's a, kind of a blue porcelain <laughs> that evolved right now to what it is. Awesome. So this Kaylin, I want to talk more about the process, too, because I th- I'm sure you have to go in and educate people a little bit about porcelain. So, Naya, what, what, what is your spiel? What, what do you tell a customer what Revel is made of? Well, usually people are asking what's the difference uh, what makes porcelain different from um, earthenware or other kind of ceramics? So I start saying that porcelain is part of the ceramic family and is one of the best um, mainly because it's white, as we already said, but also because it's absolutely non-porous. So that means that in terms of um, food techniques and usage for every day, um, it's much better to have a you know, material that doesn't absorb any bacteria, any fat, any... Um, any other. Um, so in terms of, um, I would say, quality is you're on the top rank of the ceramics. Um, so that makes it more also durable. Um, this porcelain is um, it's hired at very high temperature. So in terms of defects, um, you, you reach a level of, I would, I would like to say perfection. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to say perfection. And not just because you work for the company. I mean, I've been using Revel for a little bit of time now. And it's so amazing and multifaceted, and this is not an advertisement. This is not a, a paid show. I am, I'm truly impressed by the product, and that's why you two are on. And I'm intrigued about you know, why it's not in more kitchens, why it's not considered a Le Creuset and, and Meal Henri if it's been around for so many years. Well, there's another thing that I would like to add about the process and that I think is very important for the identity of the company is that a lot of uh, part of the process are unmade. Uh, There's a real know-how and every single piece is finished by hand. Um, This is something that is making Rival's reputation for sure. But it's also uh, something that gives you a guarantee that you get something that's pretty unique even if it's an industrial process. And this is very important to the chefs. And this is probably very important also to you in your kitchen when you cook something to know that you have a piece, you know, that has been made in some place that is very special uh, with people very responsible and aware of what they're doing and really trying to make the best of it. Well, let's talk about that place. I, I've never been to Lyon. I've mm-hmm. never been. What is it? Saint-Uzi? Saint-Uzi. Mm-hmm. Saint-Uzi. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about what that is. I, I kind of know it. As far as wine regions, maybe like Beaujolais a little to the mm-hmm. east and yes. 
Languedoc Roussillons to the mm-hmm. south. Where, where is it in France, it's really? In the middle of the grapes, <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of the mountains. No, I, I, I remember the Saint Just the first time I went there. Um, it was in September, and then I came back in, in in winter. And the last time I was there was like two or three weeks ago. It was summer, and the landscape changes so much. So basically, you you leave, you go from Lyon or either Valence. It's between those two cities. Um, so you go towards the south of Lyon and. Um, First is you know just highway and you go through the Rhone Valley, which is this uh, very known famous um, wine um, place, and then you go up to a mountain and you have all the how do you call it the wheel um, the meals meals, and then suddenly you're down in the mountains and you see like a little small town and you see a little like white dot and someone tells you this is this is Reval. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You- yeah. Again, being handmade, you have about 200 people that work at that factory. I mean, yeah. th- that has been such a part of that town. Oh, it is all of the town. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> basically, everyone living in the town is working at the factory. I think without the factory, this town wouldn't be on the map. Yeah. So that's also something very special. I um, mean, let's talk about specs, too, the amount of product that's actually made there. And we're talking one about... One every s- two seconds. I, I can't made. even believe it. Like, I can't do something that quickly anything that quickly Mm -hmm. but at the same time i feel like a lot of people and that's where people don't realize and it comes back to the question you were asking before about what makes revolt special people don't realize that uh a crumpled tumbler that it's one of our signature pieces well especially on the retail side all the processes are made by hand a lot of people think that it comes into a machine like a clay and it goes out on the other machine already like made and colored and you wouldn't guess how many steps out there. And those women just um, glazing the cups with their hands and the gesture is beautiful. And, and if you would like to try to do it yourself, you couldn't because you need to have that know-how of just the gesture and everything. So, I mean, all those little things are, you know, are very unique. So what do we see in the factory? Because I think the majority of what Americans know about ceramics it comes from the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Um, so... I know, I know the terms like slip casting, jollying, but I don't know exactly what they are. We do them all. Uh, there's different machines uh, for different type of productions, and there's hollowware that are made differently with um, something a little bit more flat. Or, um, and I think the factory, the the very interesting thing in the factory is that you have this double uh, speed uh, kind of process. There's some robots that are very like high technology, very performant to make things very fast. And next to that, you still have one person that is like finishing every single part of the piece coming out of this robot. So it's like... Two uh, words. Two <laughs> words, yeah. like getting together because the company is basically growing. So we have to uh, to meet the customer's needs and um, increase the production. But at the same time, we keep people to, you know, finish those pieces. And so you have, like, both words. And, and when you visit the factory, you also in, this, in the products, you see products that have been made there for hundreds of years. A ramekin, a lion soup pet bowl. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years of the same product. And then next to it, you have a product that's maybe, like, probably, I don't know, six years old, two years old. And those products are, you know, sold in the same market. And that makes us... Um, you know, different um, from, you know, other, I would say, vendors, manufacturers. So I know the crumbled cups. Um, and in, in doing a little bit more research, I found out that Revol actually made the Ricard jug. Yes. yes. Yeah? That's <laughs> awesome. That's, I'm a huge <laughs> loucher. You know, I drink a lot of Ricard, especially uh, recent Bastille Day. 
But <laughs> the, there are so many things like the cocottes, the tagines that they've been making for ages. Do you think they've Revol has actually kind of shaped the way a lot of bakeware and dinnerware, ha, you know, has become and exists in the world? Absolutely. Mm. I think um, they started a lot in the French bistro, so all the cruets and uh, butter dish, the butter block, you know, the Parisian butter block, um, the the ramekin for your souffle or your creme brulee dish. This is all like a very traditional French bistro style, and this is where we all started. And we started with branded, uh, as you said, like regard, like branded products for advertising and things like that and uh, and some basic items that you see everywhere in every single restaurant and worldwide to some very unique and special pieces that we have right now so it's like a long history yeah no it's amazing <laughs> that they evolved so fast yeah so i mean let's talk about some of those newer products let's talk about the crumple cup revolution before we talk about revolution um what was that concept it's such a kind of stray away from the traditional idea and it adds a little bit of an artistic you know slant to what dinnerware can be yeah the compro cup is the ultimate recyclable cup plastic cup that you would throw away and never you know look back again and the idea was to do like why don't we just make this into porcelain and it was kind of a crazy idea but i think um the idea was great and today a lot of people try to copy the idea but Rival was the only one to have this, you know, fun thing of saying, let's be a little, let's have some sense of humor, let's be whimsical, and let's do something that you put on your table and you can be sure that people are going to talk about it. Take it, try it, and be like, oh, this is, feels so comfortable, this is so fun, what is it? And then you have, you know, bigger sizes as the champagne um, size, which is also really fun. Um, so I think it's just surprising, it's design, and I think it says a lot about uh, Rival's state of mind and way of thinking and you know you talk about these two worlds is very automated one where you have you know certain machines and robots that do certain things but that most everything's finished by hand it, it gives you this ability to make something like a crumpled cup you know you're not stuck with some kind of mold um are there other forms other dishes other plates that revolves exploring right now yeah, totally. Um, you have um, the round plate that everybody will use. And then this is a frame for doing a lot of different food. Um, the chef knows that. They have imagination for anything. But then w when they come to a little cocot, a crumple cup, or uh, different type of shapes out of the traditional round plate, then suddenly their imagination is going even faster and they always can picture new things to put in there. And um, the crumple cups, I think, started to grow when people understood that, you know, it's not just a cup. You can put your fries in there. You can also bake a muffin in there. You can do so many other things that, oh, finally it becomes an everyday tool for your kitchen that will be different with your traditional plate. Well, we're actually going to do a little giveaway. And we have, what, two sets of four crumple yes. cups each and if you're listening please email info at heritageradionetwork.org and we'll pick two winners at random and send those along to you and you can let your imagination run wild <laughs> we're going to give you a little bit of imagination when we come back and talk about some of the dishes that you guys have seen on Revel were throughout the years and the innovative chefs and even home cooks that have been using this product you've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org we'll be right back
The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef's Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. Michael Harlan Turkel here today with Annan Tanaya. Did I get it right? Yes. Okay, <laughs> because I saw you guys look at each other the first time and it's like, <laughs> it's all right. No, you're good. Question, can I give out your email addresses on air? Because I feel like part of the education is, is you know, being able to have a person to answer. Sure. Um, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right now. It's Anne Vallette, so it's A-N-N-E dot V-A-L-E-T-T-E at revel-usa.com. And Tanaya is just Tanaya at revel. That's R-E-V-O-L dash USA.com. Because I want people to be able to have some connection to this product too. And, you know, it, it's such a huge catalog. I mean, it's absurd. How many different pieces does Revol make? Well, I think in the catalog we have at least uh, 1,000 to 1,500 different SKUs. Uh, and then there's new lines coming every year and products that disappear. <laughs> we keep the molds yeah. so we can do them again. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely there's, like, products coming back and forth. <laughs> so, I mean, talking about new products, uh, you know, I'd be amiss if we didn't talk about the black porcelain. Yes. You know, it went from blue to white. And now why is the ball salt so important to Rebel's line? I think basalt was daring, but was so smart because with black you can do so many things. And um, I mean, basalt is definitely a piece that you would think it's slate, but uh, once you know it's porcelain and once you know you can put it in the oven, dishwasher, microwave, and everything, the durability of it and the safety of the product, it just makes it so different. And, you know, I personally use it. I think that's the, one of the collections I use the most because I live in Brooklyn in a small apartment. I entertain a lot. I do parties. I don't. I can cook like a seated, seated meal for my friends. So I just do a little, you know, cheese and um, charcuterie and little like, fun, funky stuff. And I have my whole basalt and I take it out and and it looks nice. And even if your food is not that awesome, it looks it looks really nice. So and then for the chefs, I think it's a very breakthrough as well. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about imagination. What what are some of the dishes that have just blown you away? I mean, obviously, French fries in a crumpled cup is cool, but there there must have been things that you just couldn't have even dreamed of. Yeah, absolutely. The chefs are so good at doing that, at surprising you with with a new menu or a new tasting, and uh, we're lucky enough to be the ones tasting them. <laughs> and so I've seen uh, incredible things with basalt because the colors just pop up. So whatever, if you use fruits or any veggies, it's just looking so well. And when chef really knows how to design a plate, it's so beautiful. Um, I think the beauty of basalt is uh, for a chef is also that uh, you know, they can put their food directly on it and there's something that they cannot do with a regular slate that would absorb maybe uh, you know, the fat and the smells and so on. So for hygienic reasons, they have to do something else. And the black has not always been great because it's usually a white porcelain and, and then you glaze 
a black color on it and basalt is black all the way through. It's a black clay because Rebo is able to uh, make its own clay, color the clay itself, so it makes the product very different. Um, I think in terms of dishes that surprise me, I think Revolution has been one of the most surprising items. Um, there's a chef uh, in New York, actually, who uh, designed a, um, a smoked uh, salmon a very small piece inside the Revolution cocotte, and then he smoked it. So when you remove the lid, then you have all this smoke coming out, but the fish is so soft. It was awesome. <laughs> and let's talk about Revolution, because I have a piece at my house, and it's, it looks like it, you know, it's white and has a very cool uh, white lid, but you can get in tons of different colors, yellow, red. You'd think, well, French porcelain, I'm going to do cassoulet. And you're talking about... A very New York thing, almost a smoked <laughs> fish. You know, it's so Ashkenazi. Um, I mean, it must blow your mind seeing how people interpret this because it's not your traditional. And I don't mean to slam these companies because I have utmost respect and love them too. But you know, Le Creuset. I feel like people only cook certain things in Le Creuset. You know, same with Emile Henri. They bake you know certain things in Emile Henri. Um, you're trying to allow anybody to do anything in Rivol. So yeah. what what are some other really fascinating <laughs> ideas that you've seen in your, you know, service where? Well, I don't know. For me, we, we, we always try to say that Revolution is the k- kind of piece that you're going to buy once, but you're going to use every day. And one of uh, the women I was telling that when she was next to me, she's like, oh, yeah, I use my Revolution every morning. I do my oatmeal on it because it was small enough and it was quick and it would, like, stay warm. And I thought that was funny because, you know, who would do an oatmeal in porcelain? But she was like, this is the perfect... And you can make your pasta and you can make your, you know, bacon on it. I mean, it's really an everyday use. And so. that's totally different with what a French person would do. And we sell uh, Rival products in 84 countries. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine there's many, many options. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's take a little trip around do. the world, too. So uh-huh. what do you see happen with Rival in France? What do you see, you know, people do in China? What do you see people do in other countries it's very funny how um, uh, different culture will adapt different lines and different designs and different textures um, I think basalt has been a, a worldwide uh, success but there's still you know some area where it's stronger um, uh, northern uh, Europe for instance is doing a lot of the basalt especially for the fish um, the US is taking off so fast um, but maybe in some other countries it will be another line. Like in Asia, they you know their portions are different. They they do more food to share. They do a lot of round uh, by culture, and revise a lot of different shapes. So it's maybe harder. Um, and then the cocotte is very French and very traditional food. But there's maybe some countries where French food has not been so popular. So in Spain, we'll use some very small uh, little piece for tapas. Uh, in Italy, I think we do tons of the crumble cups because they do the espresso and ristretto in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's def- like cultures are impacting so much what we uh, actually uh, make and also what we sell in different parts of the world. Well, then how often do you get a chef or even a home cook, per se, um, that says, oh, I'd really love to see you do this and you've done that, you know, changed a line or changed a plate? We do this all the time, I think. Every time we launch a new line, there's a few chefs, uh, mostly in France, but sometimes in the U.S. too, who try the product. And uh, and then they will tell us, oh, there's this little detail that I think you should change. And we definitely 
follow what they say because they are the one using them. They are the one knowing what makes sense, uh, you know, for functionality in the kitchen, for service, for everything. So, but even among the company, they, I think that's also part of Revol's philosophy is that it's a very like sharing company. It's not like one person makes the whole every decision. So, the ideas come from every everyone, and even for me, like I'm in the American market, so I see things that I need. Like I need bigger things. I need like larger things, and I need a pie dish, and I need. So I go back to France and I tell them all those ideas and I'm not saying everything is going to be made, but everyone brings its own little thing and we build together, you know, a large um, collection and then eventually I'll, you know, offer something that another market is going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, for the Russians that would be perfect. And it's just, uh, so it's really funny in during the, the meetings that we have that everyone is like, no, no, but for my Korean people, I think that this, <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the Italian market that think, no, 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 but for me, like Italians will never do that. So it's really You know, it's interesting. Well, I mean, you have Koreatown, you have a little Italy, you have all this in New York. So yes. I'm assuming you can test a lot of your line by, you know, bringing it here. But let's take, for instance, uh, Olivier. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Passo, Olivier Passo. Passo. He's, he's, he's been amazing to let you guys just run wild here. But when he comes to New York, where do you bring him the show revel in, in, in you know, being functional in a restaurant? Hmm. Well, that's a very good question because we usually uh, bring them to so many different places. They, they're so exhausted yeah. when they it's finish about, their trip. Yeah. It's all about eating and drinking that's, so they get ready. Yeah, and they that's get, not a bad they thing even they're exhausted. But they're coming here to Williamsburg, uh, you know, where they can find a lot of new ideas. We know that all the, the new concepts and are creating uh, in this area a lot. Uh, sometimes they're going to Mitton, uh, where you know you get some more traditional uh, upscale restaurants where you have those uh, three macaron chefs and so on. So yeah, we try to always mix and match uh, yeah. different styles um, because New York is a small world on its own, and you can definitely get so much inspiration for everywhere. I think they really take care of the U.S. market as. Uh, as a test market, probably the second one after France. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for them that what we do is uh, working properly for, for the U.S. So I, as a consumer, as a diner, where could I buy Revol? And then where can I experience it? What restaurants could I go to when they have the Revol line in action? In New York? Yeah. Wow. Um, you can go to seasonal restaurant. Uh, that's one of the most amazing one that I have been working with uh, in Midtown. Um, Wolfgang Ban is the chef, is Australian. Uh, then you could go to Mark for Joan, uh, close to Battery Park. Um, You can go to a lot of hotels they have in the bar, you know, for snacks and uh, for a little food to share. Um, hopefully soon we're going to be at the White Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's so many of them. Like, you know, we revise the accent pieces. You, will may, you may not see the entire uh, setup in Revol, but there's always a piece here and there, a little butter dish, a little ramekin, a lionette ball, a cocotte, um, a lot of small accent pieces that just, uh, you know, change the whole experience. And you can find it at the Barry Kitchen in uh, Chelsea Market, um, Gracious Home, 
And if you go to the Hamptons, because I know it's the Hamptons <laughs> period right yeah. now, Loaves and Fishes in Bridgehampton is a very nice store, and they have a lovely uh, revol assortment for the lovely houses that are over there. <laughs> so I love what you said before about being special every day, you know, and, and having this thing that isn't just regulated for, you know, a, a holiday or, you know, a special occasion. Um, that they're functional, that they're, you know, not going to break, that they, you know, clean really well. How important is that mentality when you talk to people that Revel isn't just this piece that you buy and you kind of use it here and there, that, that it actually should be a part of everyday life? You know, for me, it's funny to see how when you go to stores, and I was at a show yesterday, and this woman came to me, and she she has a little, um, she has a store in, in Illinois, and she was telling me, she was like, you know, um, I, w I want to tell you that I've been, I've been um, how did you say that? I've been educated my my customers and I've been training them because I really love Revol and, and now they're coming back and, and it's working and it's growing. So there was this whole like idea of when people buy a piece, they come back to the store and they're very loyal to it. And I, I loved what she said to me and she's like, I love everything, but you know, she has to be cautious because she has a little store and retailers sometimes struggle a little bit. But this fact of saying that, you know, she trusts this brand and she, she's giving, this advice to her you know to the people to come into her store to say okay you're if you want to spend your money like wisely you should spend it on something that it's going to last and that you're going to use and you're going to enjoy and it's going to cook evenly you're going to like clean it every day and you know this idea that family gathering in the evening and you, you're you're cooking for your family you want it to look nice you want people to have a nice time so you want a nice you want a nice you know dish to make the best food for your family and bring it to the table and have a nice... Is that this whole... Um, I think there's a sentimental thing about it, but there's also, of course, the quality. And it's that combination of both this professional thing, very technical, very professional, and the idea that you have all this 11th generation behind and the know-how and everything. So that's... Yeah, it's a little bit of both, I think. And what is your go-to dish? What do you make in your Revol at home? Because I know I made... Uh well, I went very traditional French, but not in flavor profile. I made mussels, um, you know. <laughs> but what what do you often find yourself making uh, for for guests for family? Well, I have the tagine at home, and I think it's very special because it's different with uh, with a regular dish that you would use. And uh, a tagine kind of make you traveling a lot. Uh, you think about uh, maybe North African dishes, uh, tagines and uh, couscous and things like that. And actually, you can use it for many things. So I use it for my vegetables. Um, I use it for my duck confit, <laughs> which is totally <laughs> different with what they use it for. And I do some lamb, too. I love lamb, so I definitely use it for that. I use my crumple cups every day for drinking soy milk. I know it's weird, but I like... <laughs> drinking soy milk in my combo cups. Yeah. <laughs> and then my basalt, um, it's silly, but my counter, I don't have space on my kitchen, so I use my big um, plate of basalt as a counter. So I cut on it, I put my warm stuff on it, and then I, you know, the stove is next to it, and I know it's not going to break, and then eventually I'll put something, in, some bread in the oven. So, I, yeah, I've used it some, maybe not the way it should be used, but it's perfectly... <laughs> there there are no ways it should be used. There's every way. And I just love that you reference using it as, you know, a countertop. You know, we're, we're here in New York. We're in Brooklyn, and sometimes kitchens aren't the largest. And 
the idea of having something that you also have to put away into a cabinet um, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little scary. So to have something that can be out and mm-hmm. be used every day, too, is a big plus in, you know, uh, into you know, purchasing a line for your kitchen. Yeah. Again, I can't say enough about the product. And we can keep on talking if you want to. But I think everyone should check out, and it's Revol, R-E-V-O-L-USA.com. Yes. Correct? Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's a young company in the U.S., um, these two right here are trying to, I'm not giving you their email address, bug them, uh, try, trying to bring this into every, you know, kitchen, every restaurant, every household in the country. And you'll see why once you check it out. Because and you should follow us on Facebook as well because we update, you know, news and pictures and recipes. And so that's another way to follow our Follow yes. the revolution. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you both so much for being on. And uh, now I have to pick up my next dish (laughs) when I go home to cook in my revel. (laughs) You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We hope to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.